Welcome to Eternal Promises with your host and founder, Jeff Tobler. Because all of the promises of God in Christ are yes and in Him, amen. And this is the promise He has promised us, even eternal life. So this is an interesting eternal promise connected with the guest that we have today, and you're going to love this interview. I've been looking forward to it for some time. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. A great promise that we might heed that and find contentment. To participate in the show, we invite you to submit your question or comment online at eternalpromises.org forward slash radio. And now, here's your host, Jeff Tobler. Well, welcome to the program, everybody. This is Jeff, and I am so excited to have my next guest on the program, and I'm so excited that you have joined us. You know, this program is not about me. It's not about our next guest, uh, so to speak. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything should revolve around the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the only meaningful uh, a thing to seek after, the, 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 the God of gods, King of kings, Lord of lords. And when I say that, there is no other God, of course, but the Bible speaks in such a way as that we can have other idols, other gods that we serve, rather than the one true God. And the reason this is so important is because of the eternal promises. And let me read them for you first. 1 John 2.25 says, this is the promise that God has promised us, even eternal life. Now, how is that promise actualized? Well, it says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, because all of the promises of God in Christ, there's exclusivity there, in Jesus Christ, are yes, and in him, amen. So when we talk about these things, uh, when we talk about eternal life, is God trustworthy to give us eternal life? Well, we know that no one is ultimately trustworthy. At some point, every human will fail us, right? And we've experienced a lot of that. But God is faithful. He is trustworthy. He's the only one who is wholly faithful. And he has promised us By a blood covenant, by sending his son in our place, in your place, you can ask for forgiveness in the name of Jesus, and because of the blood of Jesus, have your sins not only forgiven, but cleansed from you. And so we're going to talk about the unsearchable riches of Jesus today with my next guest, Um, and we're going to be talking about money. Now, I... I think I was familiar with uh, Chuck Bentley of Crown Financial Ministries uh, many, many years ago, but what really struck me and what really captured my attention was a series called God Provides. I'd heard him on the radio, and he's very uh, gifted in this area. We're going to go through a lot of this, but God Provides, the way that they set up these vignettes and... um, his personal message at the end of those was very compelling. And what struck me the most was Chuck's devotion to centering everything, especially about finance and stewardship, centering that around Christ. So with that, I want to welcome you, Chuck Bentley, to the program. Thank you so much. Well, Jeff, it's my honor, and thank you. I really appreciate what you do through uh, your ministry. I think that uh, the focus of eternal promises is the same as my focus, which is to really know how to um, apply God's Word and uh, His truth to our lives. And I've uh, learned about you in this process, and I have a great deal of respect for you too, Jeff. So this will be a blessing for me to get to share with you and fellowship with another brother and to talk about some of these issues that we all wrestle with. Yes, and I am chief wrestler. <laughs> There's a... Uh, <laughs> I think I've gone, I've kind of, you know, boomeranged. I've gone from one side, one extreme to the other in my walk. And I think we can all identify in certain areas that we read something early in our Christianity and we may take it without the context of um, the, the backdrop of the Old Testament or New Testament or, you know, some other teachings and so on. And yet, really, even as as a Christian who's walked now many years, um, there's still a I guess it's a desire to make sure that Jesus is pleased, that our Father is pleased with our stewardship. And even there, I, I'm kind of, you know, I go back and say, Lord, 
what's your will here? Can you give me a deeper understanding of, of my stewardship in that way? And uh, so th- I'm so excited that you're here. Personally, you know, if it was just you and I and no one else was listening, uh, I would do it. Um, But I know there are many people who have a lot of questions and some, well, I'd say many who are uh, encumbered with a lot of debt. And so that's something I want to talk about. And also success. How do people manage success? And is it sinful to be successful or sinful to be uh, wealthy? And so, uh, and I also want to confess, by the way, and so that other people can find it, I am a uh, um, a lover of the podcast. It's my money life. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And so, I, it's something that feeds me. There, there. I think it's two minutes long. It's it's very um, negotiable in a in a busy day, but you often uh, you really get me to think about these issues because again I think you're going to the heart of the matter rather than trying to just have uh, have a, a good bottom line in somebody's portfolio. So I wanted to start off with this. Can you share with the listeners your journey to Christ um, and what led you uh, ultimately to, to Crown Ministries? Yeah, thank you. I, I I came to faith in Christ by walking an aisle of a church when I was seven years old. I went forward uh, with a mouthful of lifesavers, uh, shocked my mom and dad that I was even listening, and uh, stood in front of the church and prayed with uh, Pastor John Klappenbach. He was my pastor in a little bitty church in a little bitty town, and I still look back on that, Jeff, as really... Um, uh, a wonderful moment in my life when uh, Jesus became very real to me. I had childlike faith. I I felt like I was uh, gifted with childlike faith to really just trust God as my heavenly Father. And so uh, I I have known the Lord since I was a little boy. But as I got into business and uh, I graduated from college with a business degree and started working in in uh, various industries and started getting excited about making money, I became very confused about uh, my walk with the Lord and money. It was uh, an area where I had no training, and I feel as if I wandered off like the prodigal. I I started to substitute Mm. money with the same kind of affection that I had for God. I started to be controlled by money, and i I really didn't realize it. It was it was subtle to me, but my wife realized it. And so she asked me to get in a Crown Bible study with her, and I didn't want to do it. I responded like a cat near water. I put out my, my four legs and claws <laughs> and said, you know, I, I, I was kind of offended. She even thought I needed, <laughs> that I needed to be in a Bible class. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? She was being your helper, right? Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah and she, she knew, being more spiritually matured at the time than me, that I didn't have this sorted out. And so I got in this Bible study and started really going deep on what God said about finances. And it was like the scales fell from my eyes. And uh, I ran back to my father. I, I repented of my love of money. Praise God. And Jeff, I I really may be the only person I've ever known that has repented of their love of money. I I really felt as remorseful about that sin. If I had same level, as if I'd committed adultery, I felt convicted that I had left my first love and began to serve money. It had become my idol. And when I repented of it, Jeff, that was in 1999, everything in my life got better. And so that started my journey to uh, being free from the love of money and starting to volunteer for Crown and to serve others and to share my excitement and passion and enthusiasm for becoming God's steward. And from there, I ended up uh, joining staff, and uh, we we uh, had just continued to grow in our responsibility until I was named the CEO of the organization in 2007, shortly after Larry Burkett died. Wow, what a great story. Uh, it just paused there if you could, and uh, we're going to get the story, the rest of the story, on the other side of the break. You're listening to Chuck Bentley of Crown Financial Ministries. 
Listen to Eternal Promises with Jeff Tobler every weekday or listen online at eternalpromises.org forward slash radio. Do you have trouble sharing the gospel? Is it difficult to find the right time to discuss the hope that lies within you? We understand. And to help you share the gospel, we've produced stunning, smart, and thought-provoking gospel tracks such as the Taste and See Bread of Life tract, the teases a free lifetime supply, perfect for coffee shops, bakeries, and cafes. Or get our Boo Tract for Halloween that tells of the coming true Fright Night story. We even have our Close Encounter Tract for those Area 51 folks that answers the question, Are We Alone? That and much more to help you share the eternal promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Go to eternalpromises.org slash resources to order your tracks today and get the good news of Jesus Christ into the hands and hearts of others. That's eternalpromises.org slash resources. Put your hands together, come on. To participate in the show, submit your question or comment online at eternalpromises.org forward slash radio or by calling toll-free, 888-88-LOVE-GOD. That's 888-88-LOVE-GOD. And now, here's your host, Jeff Tobler. Well, we are uh, with Chuck Bentley of Crown Financial Ministries, and he walked us up uh, from being a seven-year-old at that small uh, church in the country and accepting Christ, Christ becoming a reality in his life, all the way up to taking over after Larry Burkett uh, passed on. And that's where he left off. So this is a compelling story. I've got so many questions, but how well did you know Larry uh, at that point? How long had you served next to him? Well, it's interesting, Jeff. I didn't know Larry uh, or his ministry uh, until I was impacted through through his ministry. So he was not somebody that I was familiar with. I didn't listen to his radio program. I never read any of his books. But we met in the year 2000, um, about the time that I was joining staff, and we became friends. And I got to work with Larry for about two and a half years. Larry went to be with the Lord in uh, on July 4th of 2003. So we overlapped during that um, very short window of time, and it was one of the great privileges of my life to work with Larry. He was uh, just a just a tremendous inspiration to me. Well, and you know, I, I also wanted to step back when you were seven, and something you said there impacted me so greatly because there are so many servants who are. I would say serving in what they think is an insignificant way. Maybe they don't have a lot of visibility. Maybe they're not even sure how much of an impact they're making for the kingdom. And I think about how Pastor John sowed into your life the gospel, obviously God doing a work through him, and now the fruit that you're bearing, and, and he he has something there, right, to... To uh, take hold of, not not that we can any, boast in any of that, but it's just nice, I think, for workers who feel insignificant to see that what they're doing, they may not find out on this earth, but some do. Some see that the, the seed that was planted um, has prospered in you and the work that you're doing, and, and obviously in, in leading crowns. So I want to encourage anyone who's listening uh, whatever you're doing, if you're cleaning up a church, if you're uh, passing out a uh, program before the services, if you're counseling, if you're pastoring, if you're leading a ministry, the work that you're doing in Christ's name is not in vain. And you can see here what happened when Pastor John ministered to a seven-year-old. The seven-year-old received the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And look at the fruit that has come out of that. So I was just excited about what you shared there. Well, that's very meaningful to me as well, Jeff, because I loved uh, my pastor who led me to the Lord. He's obviously uh, in my uh, spiritual tree, spiritual father. And when his um, wife was dying, her name was Peggy, and my mother called me and said, uh, uh, Mrs. Klappenbach, Peggy, the pastor's wife, uh, is near death. She's in hospice care. Why don't you call her? And I hadn't seen her in years and years and years. I hadn't talked to them in years. 
But my parents had stayed in touch with them even through their old age. And I remember calling the the, uh, the hospice room, and her son answered, who I knew and remembered from going to church together years ago. I told him that this is Chuck, and I'd like to speak to, to Mrs. Klappenbach. And he said, well, she's unable to come to the phone, and she's too weak to speak. And I said, can she understand? And he said, yes, she, she can still understand. And I said, would you tell her that I am the fruit of her ministry? I am the fruit of her life. Wow. And I will continue multiplying until we're together again. And I so agree with you, Jeff. There's nothing uh, and no one that's insignificant in God's kingdom. Amen. The smallest thing is a big thing in God's kingdom. I, I, I tell my staff all the time, there are no big people in God's kingdom. Yeah. And there are no little people. We are all servants on equal footing, serving the same master. Amen. Well, and and Paul puts it, I'm going to amplify it, or maybe, I, I don't know, abridge it, but <laughs> the earlobe. Well, that's part of the head. I can't use that. You know, the elbow that is often, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's, it really is that way. I mean, but the, you know, we're so influenced often by our thinking is influenced even beyond what we understand sometimes that we think, well, you know, he's the pastor, he's the ministry leader. And well, who am I? Well, I think we are going to, I am going to be shining the shoes of many quote, seemingly insignificant leaders they obviously aren't insignificant and uh but your example there was just so precious because uh, you know i can't imagine um what riches she's experiencing right now for example great story well well i know it's i know it's off the topic i'll just mention my grandfather was born into poverty and uh, suffered alcoholism most of his life, came to faith in Christ, discovered the riches of Christ, as you would say, uh, near the end of his life. And he wrote journals about his walk with the Lord and his love for God. And all we inherited from my grandfather, who I barely knew, were his journals. <laughs> well, Jeff, I read those journals, and, and one day he said to the Lord, Lord, I've wasted a lot of my life. But if I could live it over, I would ask you for the privilege to being able to teach God's Word, your Word, all over the world. And when I read that, Jeff, I realized here was my my poor grandfather that barely ever left his hometown, sitting at a table alone, writing in a journal, expressing his heart to God that he would teach God's Word all over the world. And God answered that prayer in his grandson. Oh, my. And in the most unlikely way. <laughs> and here I was being privileged to do what my grandfather had asked for the that if he could live his life over. Uh so I'm I'm carrying on for that one as well. He's one of the cloud of witnesses of my that spur me on. Well i and you know, you said it it's off topic, but actually I think this is I know what you mean because we're here talking about finances and stewardship, but Again, I think there are so many people who could be discouraged by thinking, I've prayed, I've prayed, this is, I, my heart's desire is to do such and such. And often we, we may not see the answer of the prayer, but God is faithful. I can promise people, and I do this all the time, I promise that the veracity of the word is, you know, we can trust God's word and we can trust that he's faithful and he won't let us down, he won't leave us, forsake us. But this is an example of that. Uh, if you're praying, I, and in fact, I just got a message from a, a dear sister in the Lord uh, about one of her uh, daughters, and they've been praying for, for a long time. And this is the type, by the way, to tie this in to uh, Crown Financial Ministries and the thought of stewardship. When I think of investing, this is the type of investing I think is going to have merit for everlasting life, for eternal life, is to when we pray and when we sow. And when you're bringing up these examples, I think they're more impactful than, you know, to balance your checkbook, although there's virtue in that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we'll we'll get into that because we're on the same, we're reading from the same book, <laughs> uh, Jeff. You're, you're right on there. Well, let's go back, um, and we're gonna we're gonna bump up against this next break in a few minutes. But um, so you became CEO. It sounds like just a, a well. You you I guess 
were impacted by the ministry. Then you came on staff, and then um, were given the uh, the honor of of leading the ministry. Um, you so you've stepped into this this legacy. Was there a transition period that was difficult for you, just because maybe Larry Burkett's style was different than yours, or was that a pretty seamless? Uh, you know, how well did it go for you? Well, I think it was very difficult. Uh, I, I suffered from uh, a sense of inferiority. Larry Burkett wrote seventy books <laughs> on the topic of finances in thirty years. So he was writing more than two books a year. Some of them became runaway international bestsellers. Uh, He was in the National Religious Broadcasters Hall of Fame. He was an engineer who helped put a man on the moon in the Apollo space mission. Uh, (laughs) And I was like, Lord, who am I? I, Most of my uh, most of my accomplishments have been from mistakes that I've made, and most of my education is from hard knocks. You know yeah. how? Are you sure, Lord, you want me to to follow behind Larry Burkett? And uh, and yet, what I learned from Larry that was so important is Larry was a man, was a truly humble man. And a humble man, it doesn't mean they're not accomplished. It just means they don't think about themselves. And uh, he was not absorbed with himself or uh, with his accomplishments. He was absorbed with the Lord. Mm. And he taught me so much about uh, multiplication because, you know, Larry's life multiplied globally and impacted millions and millions of people that he would never see or meet or even comprehend. But Jeff, the interesting thing is his life didn't stop multiplying after he died. The material and the legacy and the, the people he's trained still continue. So that Second Timothy 2.2 promise of passing on from one faithful leader to the other mm. multiplies our impact beyond the grave. And uh, so... I, I just was so inspired by that and humbled by that, mm. that uh, I learned to quit thinking about myself, to quit being worried about uh, living up to the comparisons to Larry and to you know serve the Lord with all my heart, just like Larry did, and uh, to get comfortable with that. And it took, it took a while uh, for me to, to get over that, but uh, the transition has now been many years ago and mm-hmm. it, it's even even Larry's uh, widow told me recently Chuck you're not Larry but you have done in some ways more than Larry so stop thinking about <laughs> if you're living up to Larry and that was from his from his very own wife and yeah. so it was very precious to me yeah you know and I think the the difference is uh, what makes us unique is really what makes the diversity in the body powerful um, I pastor a small church as well as the ministry here that we have, and I often want to bring in other pastors, other teachers, just so that we can hear the difference um, in their approach, their difference in the way that their uh, the Lord is working through them. And I think it's so powerful. And but I'm familiar with the, the Moses type uh, reaction because <laughs> I've had the same thing, uh, you know. But but I've learned to not in the same way that you have just learn to say, no, God didn't make a mistake in calling any of us, obviously. Um, and he finds worth in us more than we often find in ourselves. And, uh, and I can just tell you, um, you've been very impactful in our lives. I really wasn't as familiar with Larry um, and much more familiar with you. And, and I can tell, and I know outside of our own family, you're making an impact. So, uh, yeah, be assured that your your reward is reserved for you. And uh, he didn't make a mistake at all. You're doing a great job. And in that, I have a question. How or has Crown Ministries' mission or or the, the direction, has it changed at all? Um, have you narrowed it? Have you broadened it? Uh, can you tell us, you know, since that time, where has Crown gone? Well, Larry Burkett believed that he was called to serve uh, America, specifically America. He knew that we had uh, a great uh, problem managing the the wealth and affluence that God had blessed this country with. And so everything that he did was geared towards uh, helping the stewards in the United States. 
when I came along, God gave us a global vision to take our training well beyond the United States into other countries of the world and specifically into other demographics. I felt like we had not taken our message to the poor or the ultra poor mm. and that we needed to find ways to meaningfully serve them. And Larry approved that. The board of directors approved that. So we began uh, in 2002 taking our mission globally. And that's been the direction that I've led the organization uh, since I became uh, the CEO. And we're today operating our organization in 110 countries around the world. So wow. it's been a, an incredible expansion of, of uh, seeing what Larry started in the United States going to many, many, many different places. Well, and I, it seems to me that he provided um, that core, that stable core of what the ministry was and, and how it grew. But, uh, you know, faithful to his calling and out of that stability, you've gone even further and uh, and been more fruitful and so on. That is really amazing. And that's a testament to to the gifts that God has given you and your stewardship of those gifts. Uh, it's very um, it's very meaningful to know that it's not just reaching out to, to maybe a comfortable market. There are those who really need to be ministered to in, in other countries and who may not even have the means to, to access the information. And, um, you know, that was something else I wanted to talk to you about. When you reach out to to some of these poorer countries, um, people who may not have the money to do anything uh, as far as, you know, buying materials and so on, because I know that's an issue within some ministries. Um, they're trying to figure out how to how to stay in ministry in that way. Uh, and yet they want to reach people with with their teachings and their word. Um, briefly, how how do you manage that? Do you, do you have ways to get to people who don't have the resources? Yeah, we do, Jeff. Um, obviously, we, we've we got a, a national support base that allows us to uh, have the liberty to fund our strategic direction. Uh, and the Lord promises that if we take care of the poor, that He will take care of us. Amen. And so we are, we're able to go and serve them with the believing in the promise that God will take care of our needs as well. Amen. Well, on the other side of this break, we are going to deal with debt. Is debt sinful? Is being rich sinful? Is it more godly and holy to be uh, abjectly poor? Um, you know, some of those things that I think people have wrestled with and maybe uh, had a, uh, a concept that might not totally line up with Scripture. So I want to remind you that we have Chuck Bentley with us from Crown Financial Ministries. And you can find them at crown.org. Or you can look up their reset plan. It is, it's a 30-day it's reset. You can find that at crown.org forward slash reset. And they have many other resources to help you be good stewards in Christ of all that God's given you. You can support this ministry by giving online at eternalpromises.org forward slash give. Hi, this is Jeff, and I'm excited to announce the Eternal Promises app. Now, this is an app that can be installed on your iPhone, your Android device. And best of all, you can listen to any radio broadcast at your convenience. So just dial it in the app, listen, you can stop, you can pause, you can go forward, backwards. But not only that, the app also has promises, eternal promises by topic. We've got devotionals. You can read God's word. There's a Bible in the Eternal Promises app. There are questions and answers, faithful quotes by faithful saints, and so much more. So remember, go to eternalpromises.org forward slash app. That's eternalpromises.org forward slash app. Or you can go to the front page and just look for that banner that says download the app. And most of all, we need you to stand boldly with us as we boldly stand for the truth of God in Christ Jesus. To participate in the show, submit your question or comment online at eternalpromises.org forward slash radio or by calling toll free 888 love god That's 888 love god And now, here's your host, Jeff Tobler. Welcome back to the program, everybody. This is Jeff, and we have Chuck Bentley 
of Crown Financial Ministries with us. What an honor. What a privilege. I know that you're enjoying the interview, so I want to get right back to it. Uh, Chuck, again, thank you so much. Um, I wanted to deal with some of these issues that um, are are facing the church. Uh, one is what we call the prosperity gospel. Uh, and if you name it and claim it, um, you know, if you give a thousand, God will give back 10,000 in the offering plate, you know, um, and, and the opposite of that, I've heard kind of a poverty gospel, meaning that if you, it's, it's godly and, and, um, holy to not have any resources. And in fact, some I've even say, you know, they just don't even work. They don't, they don't get out there and try and, uh, provide for their family. And somehow that makes them, um, spiritual. And, and I say that not trying to mock. I just, I think there, there's been these extremes that are to me dangerous, but you're the expert in this area. So can you talk into those, um, misconceptions I'd call them? Yeah. The poverty gospel is, uh, rampant in many parts of the world. And that gospel is where people who have resources are declared to be, uh, unrighteous. They're, they're wrong. And, you know, money and material things are evil and we shouldn't have them. And so there are people who take vows of poverty. They live in such a way that they uh, try not to to have any uh, external appearance of of uh, resources and they, they deny uh, the blessings of God into their lives. And so we see that's actually more rampant than uh, people might think. We don't see it a lot here in the United States, but it is in many parts of the world. And so is the prosperity gospel, where people are demanding of God that he makes them wealthy, and they're looking to God uh, for uh, big increases in their personal well-being. And they're giving uh, and taught to give in order to get a return. But the scripture says that motives matter. And all of our financial decisions are weighed by the Lord according to what's in our heart. Now, the prosperity gospel is teaching what I call a the end goal is to be successful, especially successful in the eyes of man. And so success measured by how much you have. The wonderful news is that God doesn't measure uh, on that standard. He's not measuring whether we have a lot in our hands or a little in our hands. Uh, the parable of the talents from Matthew 25 talks about the steward with five talents, one with two talents, and one with just a single talent. Mm-hmm. But all were measured by the same standard of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And faithfulness is uh, not how much we have, but are we loyal? Are we actually loyal to the provider? And that's the middle ground. That's the balance that it's not how much we have. It's not whether we've been successful with money or unsuccessful. It's whether we've been faithful. And anybody can be faithful, no matter how much or how little you have. So we can take the message of faithfulness to the villages of the poorest places in the world, and those principles still apply. Uh, They don't have to have a lot to learn to be faithful. And faithfulness is usually used in light of relationship, Jeff. It's it's how we talk about our marriage. Are you faithful or unfaithful? Are you committed? Are you loyal? Are you are you single minded? And of course, it's a it's a binary option. You are or you aren't. Uh, there's not <laughs> there's not much middle ground there. You can't be kind of fifty percent faithful. It's <laughs> it's. Right. You you either are a faithful person or you're not. And quite frankly, what happened to me was I realized I wasn't faithful. I was I Jeff, I was actually successful with money, but a failure at obeying God's principles about money. Right. I I was not faithful to God. I was only faithful to myself. I was serving my needs and trying to fill those needs with more money. And so when I recognized that God owns it all, everything began to change because my goal in life had been to acquire as much as possible. And that's sort of a part of the American dream, I thought. You know, just acquire as much as I can, retire early, uh, entertain myself, uh, do all the things that I thought would uh, be best for me. Mm. And... The, the 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 paradigm shift came when I took 
for for real the 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 truth in the word that I am not an owner. I am a temporary steward required to manage whatever God has given me and to do so faithfully. In Luke 16, 10, and 11, there's another eternal promise that if you're faithful with the little, you'll be entrusted with more. And if you're unfaithful with the little, you will not be trusted with more. And he's talking about the little there is money. Because if you're faithful with the little, God says he will reward you with true riches. He didn't say he would reward you with more money, but something that money can't buy. Amen. The true riches of life. And that's the that's the shift that happened in my heart is from being uh, one that was trying to own the world and own more of it as much as I could to realizing I would never own the world. I came naked, I would die naked, and I would not take anything with me. And therefore, I could find joy in managing God's possessions until he called me home. Well, and what you said is so rich because, as I said before, I think the Lord showed me one time, actually, I thought I had a few... um, uh, spots on my robe, uh, as we read in Revelation, you know, there are a few who are unspotted while there are a few who are spotted. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'm spotted in certain areas in my thinking, in the way that I, you know, have been brought up in, in America. And you talk about the American dream and so on. Is, is that, does that align with the teachings of Christ? Well, what he showed me was I was not just spotted. I was dipped I mean, you know, those, those perceptions were, were, and and the conquests and the, you know, this is what you need to do by this age and you need to be, and it was like, wow. Uh, And for me, it's very interesting. Uh, I was in business and, and wanted to amass a certain amount of money and retire, do the same thing. You know, I thought that was the goal. And what was interesting to me was when God finally got a hold of me, uh, or let me say when I finally surrendered, he was trying to get a hold of me the whole time. Um, I really did see the, the worth, and, and I want to use the, the right word here, the value, the, the riches, as, a, as the scripture says, the unsearchable riches of Christ. But seeing that as my treasure, um, the one who finds mm-hmm. the pearl of yeah. great price sells all the other stuff, you know, <laughs> to buy that. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that makes the biggest difference. I wrote about a while ago when we had an economic downturn, you know, I said, how's your 401k doing? Mine hasn't seen a blip. In fact, it's growing steadily, and and mine meaning he's he is he the Lord Jesus Christ. That's mm. my treasure. Amen. And if we really look at it that way, I think it is easier um, to, to say there's no worth. It's not as though we don't use this as a tool. But anyway, what you shared is very very uh, impactful because I think many Christians are trying to both live the American dream and serve Christ. And as we know uh, from the passage you just uh, referenced shortly after that. He says, you can't serve God and money. You're going to be miserable. Yeah, you cannot. You, yeah, it's impossible. You you have to decide which one you love. It says you'll love one and hate the other. Yeah. And uh, I tell people all the time, you, you'll, you know what you love by how you react when you lose it. Hmm. Uh, if if you feel the same way about loss of money as you do loss of a loved one, then you realize you 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 love money. You you've placed your affection in it. Just my mother died earlier this year. And oh, I'm so sorry, mom. Um, mom, uh, my mother uh, lived with the inferiority complex. She wasn't educated. She. Uh, just struggled in a lot of areas where she just didn't feel like she measured up and had, had challenges in that way. But when she died, you know, everything that she had accumulated was left behind, all of her dresses and shoes and costume jewelry and pictures and collections and everything, everything was left behind. Mm. And uh, mom had never had a lot of money. But she was incredibly generous, and she was generous to everybody, even people in the hospital in the, in the end of her life. She would 
have gifts shipped from Amazon to complete strangers that had taken care of her in the hospital. She would <laughs> surprise a, a nurse or an orderly or, or a physical therapist. And they'd get these gift cards to go to dinner, or they might wow. get a bicycle for one of their children. <laughs> and here's my mom laying in bed sick, listening to needs around her. Well, you can imagine how rich her funeral was. Wow. There were people in tears over how much my mother had shown them love and kindness and generosity. And I realized, you know, it's not about the money. God taught us it's about our heart. And we help people manage their money well. But the end goal is not so that they have more money. It's so that they have more true riches. And at my mom's funeral, I said, my mother had the true riches of life, the things that money cannot buy. The, 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 you know, she used money to make friends, as it says in Luke 16. And, and you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. That's a passage on generosity. Amen. And this was the steward who was, was canceling debts, the merciful steward who said, it's not about how much money I get on earth. It's a repurposing of money to make a difference in other people's life. Now, that is a paradigm shift, Jeff, that can happen to anybody. It doesn't matter how much you have. It's, it's what is the purpose of what you have. And God wants us to use our resources that he's provided to, to manage on his behalf to make an eternal impact, no matter how much or how little you have. Amen. Uh, and I was, I was just going there, uh, Luke 16, was what I was thinking about as you were telling the story about your your amazing mother. Um, Luke 16, verse 9 says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, mm -hmm. they may receive you into an everlasting home, as you had quoted that. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is, or I should say she, in this case, who is unjust, uh, was faithful in much, but he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Your mother, especially toward the end of her life, was faithful in much. And, you know, it, <laughs> I think of the rich man and Lazarus um, when Jesus uh, relayed that story. And people, I'm sure, passing Lazarus thought, what a sorry state, right? Just uh, has nothing, miserable, and um, really must mm -hmm. have made some wrong decisions and um, pitied him. But it's interesting, when you look on the other mm -hmm. side of eternity, he was not being pitied anymore. It was the one who was not faithful, uh, who was crying out to have Lazarus come and even just dip his finger in the water to, to relieve uh, what yes. uh, the rich man was going through. And in that parable, I guess this sort of goes to some of my questions for you too. Is is that parable even taken um, and used as as a um, a cudgel by those who? who hold on to the poverty gospel, that the reason the rich man was there was because he had his wealth. Yeah, I've seen it used that way, and I think that's completely incorrect. It's God never condemns wealth. It right. is never condemned in the Scripture at all. In fact, there are examples of people with wealth that are commended for the way they use wealth. And you, you look at... Uh, you know Barnabas, who sold property and laid the proceeds at the the uh, apostles' feet. You know he was a person of means. He had the resources to help Paul to travel, and they they went many places together. And he was his name actually changed because he, he was so generous. They called him the Encourager. Uh, wow. You know yeah. that he he blessed the saints, and they were like, man, it's great to have you around. So he was not condemned for his wealth. What's, what is condemned is greed and selfishness. Mm -hmm. Selfishness is the biggest problem of uh, our challenges with money. It's, it's you know, I, I sometimes tell people, Jeff, I do not have to teach anybody to become generous. What I have to teach them is to become generous towards God, because if not, they'll just be generous towards themselves, mm -hmm. uh, because we are inclined to be self-generous, yeah. and God wants us to be generous towards Him and others. L love others, 
the way that you generously love yourself, right? Yes. Yeah. Because, <laughs> and I think that's why I said it that way. And it was interesting um, when you were talking about uh, this topic again in James chapter two, verse 14 says, what does it profit my brothers? If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can faith save him? And then he goes on to demonstrate if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food. And one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? And one of the early church, um, Antinicene fathers, they're called, I think it was um, Clement of Alexandria, wrote something about this that was eye-opening to me. The point here was this believer has to be able to have something, even potentially extra, but maybe not, but has to have something to relieve those in need. Yes. And if we look at resources in that way, rather than say, well, they're rich, um, you know, they should give it all away, rather than saying, no, this is God's that I'm stewarding. And I think this is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Amen. That's, that's consistent. We'll talk about it when we come back. Yep. Awesome. And when we come back, we're going to talk about God Provides, a film learning experience featuring uh, six films. These are amazing films, epic films. Now they're shorts, but it really helps to communicate the financial truths found in God's word. A reminder, we have with us Chuck Bentley. He is CEO of Crown Financial Ministries. And if you want to learn how to get out of debt, manage your money in a way that frees you and honors God, go to crown.org. Jeff will be back in just a moment with some closing thoughts. You know what? A couple years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Africa and visit an orphanage. And these children were amazing. Their, their eyes, their face lit up with joy. And yet they had hardly anything compared to what we have in this country. But they had food and clothing. And more than that, they had people who were loving them, teaching them the way of God in Jesus Christ. But we need your help. There's so many expenses that go into an orphanage, and they're now expanding, trying to get more children in to help them grow in Christ and grow in their skills to be able to function in this world. So I'm asking you to stand up and support the orphans in the orphanage and the wonderful work that's going on there. You can give safely and securely on eternalpromises.org forward slash give, or just hit the donate button on the top of the website, or call 888-88-LOVE-GOD. To participate in the show, submit your question or comment online at eternalpromises.org forward slash radio, or by calling toll free 888-88-LOVE-GOD. That's 888-88-LOVE-GOD. And now, here's your host, Jeff Tobler. Welcome back to the final segment. We've got Chuck Bentley of Crown Financial Ministries. And um, Chuck, I wanted to bring up this wonderful uh, series of vignettes that you made. I guess I could say that they, they seem like mini epics or epic uh, miniatures, you know, uh, uh, shorts, I guess. Um, tremendous production quality. Um can you speak into to how this the God Provide series came about? Well, I was visiting uh, villages in Africa and recognized that we were using printed material that the people could not read. And it brought me under this burning conviction that I wanted to help, but I wasn't using the right tool or the right method. So I uh, went on a listening tour, and I, I didn't go to preach or to teach or to give out literature to help others, I, I asked others to help me, and I interviewed people in uh, some of the poorest places on earth and asked them, what could we do that would be most beneficial to you? And what came from that is because of illiteracy, they preferred short films that, that uh, dramatized the scripture. And especially uh, if we were going to teach on finances, some of the key Bible passages that talk about financial principles. Yeah. I committed myself to this task uh, to help the poor to have God's Word in their hand, and uh, didn't. I never made a film, didn't know <laughs> anything about doing it. Amazing. Uh, just committed to be obedient, and uh, what happened was really the Lord led me to contact a, a young production firm that 
uh, had been making uh, Christian videos, music videos, and uh, I called them and said, I'd like to make uh, six short Bible stories, dramatized Bible stories. The total production would be 90 minutes in length, which is essentially a full-length feature film, but broken up into six short stories. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had never done it either. And they said, well, it's going to be about the Bible, right? And I said, yes. And they said, well, that's not really what we do, but we'll try it with you. So uh, it turns out that I hired the Irwin brothers. And <laughs> the Irwin brothers uh, went on to uh, be recognized after God Provides was released by Sony Films. And uh, they just uh, recently released uh, I Can Only Imagine, which is yeah. the second most uh, successful box office hit of, all, <laughs> of any Christian movie. Yeah. So they are super talented. And uh, they were the, the really the genius behind making God Provides the successful series that it was. Well, it, it, and I want to get into that, and, uh, and I don't want to run out of time before we get to some of these questions, but I think also what you provided at the end of each of the, the many um, um, feature-length films, uh, they felt like a feature-length film, it, it, just in quality and, and um the, the shooting, the, the acting, everything was, was superb. But you gave uh, a talk at the end of each one of those. And I found that to be so meaningful because it wasn't just seeing the scripture come to life. You brought it home to the viewer and brought those principles back um, right in front of us to so that we could apply it to our own life. Was that originally in the works or was that something that you added later? Well, we added two two features at the end of each story. One is where the character uh, does an explanation of the meaning of that story. And that's so that villagers uh, would not be looking at some Westerner trying ah, to teach them. Okay. And then, uh, and, and then in the context where people would prefer, uh, you know, a, a teacher out of character to, to, to talk about the story, then... Uh, I was added, so that was sort of a an option at the end of it. What's what's behind the scenes there, Jeff? We could talk hours about <laughs> the, producing those, but uh, it rained really, really hard while we were trying to do my little vignettes, oh. <laughs> and I got so soaked that my clothes were too wet to do the filming. And I'm wearing clothes that don't belong to me. <laughs> I, goes, I look, I'm wearing a red short sleeve shirt, and I, I don't even own a red short sleeve That's shirt. That's funny. And <laughs> it, was, it was quite an embarrassing day for me to, to feel out of my own clothes. I felt very uncomfortable. But the, the joy of it is that it wasn't about me yeah. and, and it, to begin with. And this past summer, uh, I was in a village in Africa, and the films were being shown. I was present. They showed the stories. I presented the gospel at the end of it. Mm. And more than 200 people came forward in that village oh, to my. receive Christ. Praise God. And they never knew I was there, Jeff. They, <laughs> I wasn't introduced, you know, like, here's the producer. Yeah. And, uh, it was not about me. Amen. But I saw... 200 people, and so the, our partners are estimating that um, the films may have been seen now by 100 million people. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, I look back on that funny day of being rained on, and <laughs> it's like, okay, Lord, <laughs> whatever, I'm going to do my part, and God has used it beyond my imagination. Well, it has deeply impacted uh, me, uh, my family, and uh, we've shown it to many other people, and just really been an encouragement. And it's interesting, uh, about a month back, I interviewed Bruce Marciano. You may be familiar with him from Encounter and mm -hmm. some others. And it turns out during that interview, when we talked and, and one of his mentors, his kind of spiritual father was Dean Jones. And when that came up, I thought, yes, that's, that's Abraham yeah. in God yeah. Provides. I tell you, that's so touching to me, Jeff. I can hardly talk about Dean without being choked up. Uh, Dean was phenomenal, uh, just a phenomenal brother in the Lord, and became my friend. Mm. Uh, not just somebody I shook hands with or knew or hired, but we became friends. We traded Christmas cards and letters, and I kept up with him. He kept up with me, and I really loved Dean Jones. Mm. He he paid a great price in Hollywood to become—he was once the most— 
uh, highest paid actor in Hollywood, one of the richest men in Hollywood under under uh, Walt Disney and doing all the Herbie Love Bugs and all that. Yeah. But when he came to faith, he, he came to faith at the height of his career because he was empty and he needed something beyond money and success and fame and power yeah. and found the Lord and loved the Lord <laughs> with all of his heart. And uh, he was just a delight to work with. Um, truly, he was the kind of man who, no matter who was on the set, he would stop and say he was going to pray aloud. You know, with 125 people on set and and uh, everybody standing around waiting, he was going to pray. And uh, <laughs> he made his faith known and he lived it out. And just a, a great highlight of my life to have been friends with Dean Jones. Oh, well, you can see it. Uh, it comes across and it's authentic. I just, it, it, Bruce talks about him in the same way. And I remember in um, the Abraham Isaac vignette, there was this moment, uh, and and you can say that better. I'll just lead you to that place, and you can take it from from there. But he he takes Isaac um, up to the mountain, and Isaac's kind of confused as to what's going on. And uh, you know we've got about uh, three minutes here, maybe two minutes. Can you take us from that point and and kind of tell us what happened at that moment? Because I understand something happened that really kind of shook everybody. Well, what shook us is that we planned a special effect for the sun to come out because it was it was overcast and and uh, about to rain on us. And so when uh, Abraham lifts the, the knife above Isaac, the sun came out uh, when we replicated God's voice when He called Abraham, Abraham to to stop him from from plunging the knife into Isaac. The sun burst out over the scene and. And uh, Dean fell to his knees and just was stunned. And we thought, oh, my goodness, that was that was unreal. <laughs> we, we don't need the special effect. We caught that on camera. And Dean said, I've been in Hollywood all my life, and I've seen a lot of special effects, but that was the best special effect I've ever seen. <laughs> he said, God, God showed us. And so he said, but I also know you always have to take two takes, so let's do, let's do it one more time. So... Uh, Jeff, we rolled again, you know, reset the scene, rolled it again. He lays Isaac on the altar. He lifts the knife above him, and we hear the voice offset going, Abraham, Abraham. He turns around, and the sun came out exactly at that same time again. (laughs) He did it twice. And everybody on set had goosebumps. Oh, my. Everybody. And uh, Dean's wife is there, and Lori is crying, and she said, Chuck, this is, the God's hand is in this film. God is going to use this film. He made an appearance in, <laughs> over that altar. Now, we also had Isaac submitting to Abraham in that scene. Yeah. And we really felt like that that was the scene when God says in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will be done, mm. but yours, Father. Amen. Not my will, but yours. Amen. Well, I, I knew about the first uh, burst of sun, but I didn't know that part. And that's that's amazing. And it just shows that the hand of God on this precious work that you have uh, steward, stewarded, you know, and produced and gotten out in front of people, especially hearing how this has impacted those in other nations. And I, I just wasn't thinking about it that way. And uh, so we are unfortunately out of town. We have so much that we could talk about. But before we go, I want to make sure people know how to get in touch with you. Crown.org. And you can go to crown.org forward slash reset. Chuck, thank you so much for being with us. Jeff, God bless you. And God bless uh, eternal promises. Thank you for what you do. And you can find out more about uh, Chuck's ministry at crown.org. That's crown.org. You've been listening to Eternal Promises with your host and founder, Jeff Tobler. On behalf of all of us at Eternal Promises, thank you for listening. And we encourage you to lay hold of God's promises in your life today by loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Because all of the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in Him, amen. This is a listener-supported broadcast, and your prayers and financial support are appreciated. You can support this ministry online at eternalpromises.org forward slash give, or by calling 888-88-LOVE-GOD. 
That's 888-88-LOVE-GOD. And this is the promise He has promised us, even eternal life. Eternal Promises Radio is produced by Eternal Promises Ministries. You're listening to Eternal Promises Radio with Jeff Tobler.